Welcome to episode 122 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who was in North Carolina this weekend, mm-hmm. John yeah. Scott Sloat. Yeah, one of my wife's friends got married, or didn't get married. They got married two years ago, and we're just having a ceremony because he's from North Carolina. So they had a ceremony in North Carolina. I did not know that, though. Okay. And so I'm sitting at the wedding ceremony thinking. Like this is the real deal. This is it. Yeah. And then they go, actually, we got married two years ago in a ceremony. And I leaned over to Andrew. I was like, did you know that? And she goes, yes, I did. <laughs> what? <laughs> and and was this was this a simple accidental omission? Or yeah. had she told you this and you th- had just not maybe it was a, It was in. a simple omission. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that we would have gone either way. Okay. You know, that doesn't change anything okay. for us. But yeah. it was uh, – I mean there are other pe- – you went – there are other people down there that you went to see. So you could yes. sort of double dip on the uh, – Yes. Andrea's sister was down there. We got to meet uh, her boyfriend. That was very exciting. And then we got to see my brother, his wife, and my niece down there. Yeah. Big weekend, Thursday through Sunday, so yeah, extended yeah, it took, weekend. Took the, took the last few days of the week off last week. Yeah. It was good. It's amazing the institution continued to operate without you given all the things you have your hands in around here. Well, you know, it was just two days. You know, I wouldn't dare take a week or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what would happen? Yeah, yeah. The whole operation would fall apart. So uh, if you would like to prevent our operation from falling apart, you can reach out wow. to us. On Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube. And we would love for you to leave a five star rating and a review if you would feel so inclined. And we had some uh, Twitter chatter over the weekend. We did. On our channel about the, about the NFL draft. Yes. Yes, we did. Which we'll get to in a few minutes. Yeah. But, but it was active this weekend. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, we also had some uh, some behind the scenes chatter with uh, Nate from Ohio and Zach from Ohio. Yes. Given the fact that we called him out last mm-hmm. week, we called out Zach for Zach, his yes. uh, lip sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he's refused to get rid of it at this point. He it is seems. stubbornly unrepentant. It seems like he's doubling down. Yeah, yeah. Despite our pleas. <laughs> Despite many people's pleas and shaming, let's be real. Yeah, he even brought his kids into it. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was just shameless. So, all right, let's talk some. Uh, let's talk some. Brief, we'll talk briefly about NBA playoffs. Uh, on to the second round now. Uh, Bucks and Celtics, Sixers and Heat, Memphis and uh, Golden State, and the Mavs and the Suns. Uh, did you catch any of the? Uh, NBA playoffs? This... I, I caught the end of the Memphis Golden State game. Last night. Last night. Yep. It was at the airport, was at a restaurant, and uh, there were two gentlemen, uh, mm. very passionate, one for one team, one for the other. <laughs> I think that they were they both had money on the game, yeah. one for the Golden State, one for Memphis, and they were just Okay. They were just going back and forth. Yeah. It was an entertaining game. I, I did I did catch most of that one, including the end. Um but yeah, I, it's just hard for me to envision Memphis winning that series. Golden sure. State is, I think, significantly better, even though Memphis is the two seed and um, 
Golden State is the three. Did you see, by the way, the the flagrant foul two that got Draymond Green kicked out? No, I missed that. That was in the first half. So if you, you, you might you might I caught the fourth on. quarter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting because at first glance it didn't look like it looked like a flagrant one, but you know when you looked at it again, I guess they saw some other stuff going on there. But um, I was not sad to see Draymond Green go. And of course, once they told him that he was ejected, he ran around the court literally like a buffoon, like motioning to the crowd and because it's in Memphis. So he's stirring yeah. up the opponent's yeah. crowd. Classic Draymond. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good discussion with – this is a little side note. I had a good discussion with my son Jake about a possible uh, segment. In oh, light for of, the show? Yeah, for the show. Okay. Top five – we were talking NBA players, but we could expand it out to athlete. Top five athletes that you would like to slap. Oh, my goodness. Basically, the top five athletes that like annoy the crud out of you. Yeah. And you, you know. That might me- be a good me- – Metaphorically. Not smack. literally slap. Yes. Uh, slap yeah. with words. Yes. Um, so anyway. Uh, that might be a good summer topic. Yeah. I'm going to need like a good two oh, totally, hours to totally. dive into yeah. that. Jake and I had a great discussion yeah. about that in terms of – but uh, spoiler alert, Draymond Green is definitively on that <laughs> He makes the top five. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's move on to baseball quickly because uh, there's a couple notes about your beloved Mets. Yeah. So we've won our first seven series now, uh, which – I think we're the only team in baseball to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And so we're in first place, playing really well. Uh, there was a no-hitter thrown on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, combined no-hitter. Yeah. Uh, Again, my, my traditionalist sensibilities I know. Are, are offended. But uh, Was but it just two guys? Or th- no, it was five. Oh, my word. Yeah, it was five guys um, and not, not the good burger place. Uh <laughs> But uh, James McCann, the catcher, uh, he had caught a no-hitter already when he was with the White Sox with one guy. And he got the home plate from that. And so he has requested the home plate from – because he he's the staple in that <laughs> – in those five yeah. pitchers, right? Um, he was the only one catching. So I think he's getting the home plate from that, uh, from that okay. no-hitter. Gotcha. And then there was a – I mean I see it on the rundown here. There was a fight. Yeah. Uh, fisticuffs uh, between the Mets and the Cardinals last week. Yeah. The Mets have been hit 20 times this season, and the next close is like 12. Okay. So they've been hit a lot, three times in the head. Yeah. Pete Alonso has been hit twice in the head. Is there something particularly offensive about Pete that attracts such? He's a brash dude. Okay. So maybe. It feels like he's trying to antagonize provoke Maybe, or or trying to like channel the 86 mets a little bit maybe without the drugs okay. but uh, yeah. <laughs> but try, but trying to channel sort of that swagger and okay. uh, but i don't think it's intentional i think i mean everybody's blaming the baseballs are not good uh pitchers are going for more speed and less control mm-hmm. and uh and guys are getting hit because of it so yeah, so so Pete in one game, Pete got hit in the head, and immediately got up and ran to first, like it's like it's normal. Yeah, and then uh, then you know the next game, uh, they came a little high and tight on one of the Cardinals stars, and and he took exception to that. Mm. And yeah, ah uh, yes, baseball. 
the benches cleared and there was there was some good shoving. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like an old school fight, but it also wasn't like, okay, let's all get out here and talk and, yeah. <laughs> you know, calm down right. the one guy that's upset. Everybody was upset and, yeah. and the teams were pushing and shoving, yeah. but no, no punches thrown. There was a tackle in there. Okay. Uh, speaking of tackling, let's move on to the NFL draft. Sure. Sure. My, my worst fears were realized in the NFL draft, John. Your beloved J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 drafted Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to do a brief history of Jets <laughs> drafting Ohio State wide receivers? Um, I mean, it's a Monday morning, but I'm not sure I want to go down that that dark uh, <laughs> that dark rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I, oh, gosh. And then, as if that wasn't enough. Now, let me get this. Like, I think Garrett Wilson might be the best receiver Ohio State's produced in a decade plus, just in terms of raw talent. And route running, body control, athleticism, ball skills, fabulous. I will also say he is on a more talented Jets team now, offense, than anybody else in the last 10 years that has been drafted by the Jets. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, and then in the later rounds, the third round, fourth round, I can't remember. Uh, third round, I think. Uh, the Jets drafted – Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert. Yeah, who who grew up a Jets fan. Yes, yes. Yeah, ugh. That's just heartbreaking <laughs> to me. Um, I, yeah, his dad posted a photo on Twitter of him wearing a Curtis Martin jersey at Christmas when he was a kid. Yeah. Heartwarming. Heartwarming, heartbreaking, kind of depends <laughs> perspective, I guess. Yeah, he, he will be a better professional tight end than he was in college. Ohio State just – criminally underuses their tight ends. Hmm. So uh, he he is very talented, a very good receiver. I, I read one analysis where it was like, um, you know, not a game-changing uh, – like, do you really expect your tight end to be the game – like, besides Gronk? Sure, sure. Like, how many tight ends in the NFL are you like, oh, man, he is the game-changer? You're not expecting that typically out of yeah. your tight end. You want a guy that can block well and is a good receiver and stretches stretches the you know mm-hmm. the field width wise typically in terms of uh, forcing mismatches against linebackers sure. and safeties and that sort of thing. Run a good route to get you the first down. Yeah, right. Get open. Be a big target. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, how pleased were you with your NFL? So I'm a little alarmed. Uh, uh, the grades have come out, which draft grades are a joke. You know, they're and, worthless. Um, it, on, on, well, worthless. That's maybe strong. Almost worthless. <laughs> so I used to always go that way because the Jets would always have like a C or a C minus. Yeah, I'd just be like, ah, these aren't real. Wait three years, then then grade the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we were getting A's from everybody, uh, and yeah. we were right up there with the Baltimore Ravens that feel like mm-hmm. the best. People that draft, you know, you know, you know, the the, the greatest organization of drafting. Uh, I felt pretty good. We had three first round draft picks. Uh, we got Sauce Gardner, a little uh, sauce on the defense now. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the chains he was wearing at no. the NFL draft? <laughs> no. He had one that said Sauce, and then he had one that just looked kind of like a ketchup bottle. <laughs> that, and they were all bedazzled in like diamonds, and yeah. he wore them on stage. Uh, then we got we got Garrett Wilson, and then we got uh, 
we got Jermaine Johnson. They're very excited about him mm-hmm. playing the defensive line, and hopefully we're able to get after the quarterback a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I um, when the Jets drafted Garrett Wilson, that did provoke some uh, some Twitter interaction. Oh, I got a ton of text. Uh, so I've got I got three or four texts about the Jets drafting Garrett Wilson. Yeah, he's terrific. I mean, he's yeah. I just do you like the ring of Wilson to Wilson? Yeah, sure. Zach Wilson to Garrett yeah. Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I I think we also have to note that. You had Ohio State receivers going back-to-back in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Wilson at 10, Chris Olave at 11, and then Jamison Williams, who was at Ohio State, transferred to Alabama for his last year. <laughs> so the numbers 10, 11, and 12 picks, all wide receivers, all, had... all were in the same uh, wide receiver room at Ohio State. Wow. Um, just remarkable. And wow. the scary thing is, Jackson Smith and Jigma, who's going to come out next year, is probably better than all of them. <laughs> like <clears throat> by by their own admission. Like you ask those guys, yeah, this guy's better than us. Interesting. So, so yeah, crazy. The, the Ohio State wide receiver coach, if they didn't give him a raise in terms of his recruiting and his de- talent development, man, that guy needs to be making. It's Brian Hartline. I don't know if you recognize that name. Pl- played in the NFL. Did he play for the for, Dolphins. He did for like yeah. Five, I remember he was like uh, just a, more of a possession receiver. Yeah, it was like he's like a five eleven. Is all but but good re- possession guy mm-hmm. yep. and good route runner, st- scrappy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was and and last thing on the draft for me, um, Chicago Bears. What the heck are you doing? Oh yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about how much you drafted. You drafted yeah. a quarterback last year in Justin Fields, and then you don't put anything around him. This was arguably one of the best wide receiver drafts mm-hmm. in terms of depth. So they didn't get a wide receiver. Did they get at least get some offensive? They got linemen? a wide receiver, I think, in like the third round. Somebody that I'd never heard of. Okay, they could have gotten one early in the second round. Um, they, I think they they had a chance to get uh, the Dotson kid from Penn State, who's really good. Hmm. Early second round, passed on him. Like, see, did, did this, they do any offensive linemen? Did the, did the I don't remember. I was just looking for wide receivers because that was a big deal last year for Justin yeah. Fields. Is they couldn't, you know, he couldn't he couldn't get a, a moment. Yeah, uh, in the pocket. Yeah. So, see, this is what just drives me crazy about. Ohio State quarterbacks, they get drafted to these places where they either can't protect them or they don't put weapons around them. And you're like, well, we don't really know. Like maybe he could have been good if you had stuff around him. But anyway, enough on the draft. Let's talk about something even more infuriating. How about that? Sure. Okay. So we're talking today about uh, an article in The Atlantic – it's entitled um, – let me get the title exactly right here. It's a great title. It's a great title. Why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. Yes. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed in this article – By Jonathan – pronounce it Height. Height, yes. H-A-I-D-T. Yes. One of the things I enjoy – and this – we won't talk about this. So we can talk a little bit more about the author here in just a second. But is how many different ways he used stupid throughout the article. <laughs> yeah. The stupefication, yeah. you know, yeah. th- things like that. Uh, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Jonathan Haidt 
what is he known for? Yeah, so Jonathan Haidt uh, is a moral psychologist, uh, Jewish atheist, I believe. And he cut his teeth doing uh, psychological research in morality and religion at the University of Virginia, I think since has moved on to NYU uh, and is a professor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2015, he wrote the book, The Righteous Mind. Have you read that? Uh, 2012, according to the- Oh, is it 2012? If, if Wikipedia is to be believed. Okay, okay. Uh, it was the 2015 book of the year is what I remember. Okay. So it um, took a while maybe to catch on. Yes. Really, really interesting, interesting book. Uh, and then probably he really caught fire in, oh, was it 2018, 2019? 2018. 2018 with the book, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind that he wrote with Greg Lukianoff. Something like that, yeah. Yes. Uh, about how we have created a system for students who are uh, – I think he uses the term anti-fragile and and can't hear voices that are against them basically and how how to go about changing this. Yeah. And uh, and that started first as as an Atlantic article and then became a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think because it was so popular. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I I have, I think, skimmed slash power read most of that book. Very, very Very good. Very interesting. Um, He also started – I'm a big Jonathan Haidt fan, obviously, but he uh, he started a website called Heterodox Academy, mm-hmm. uh, and they have some tools where you can assess your ability to be heterodox in the classroom and those sorts of things. And I've tried to yeah. get some of those things started here at Grace and, and have, <laughs> have failed. Um, so uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not that bitter about it, but I'm a, a little bitter. Okay. So, well, give me one example of something that you've tried that. Um, I have tried to get it – I've tried to get the assessment for students, which is free, in two different classes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have failed. OK. I won't name the classes because then that throws particular professors under the bus. But So not your own classes? Not my own classes, no. OK. No, I don't think it makes very much sense for my own classes. I see. OK, interesting. OK. All right. So this, so this article – and it's long. It's a long article. Yes. So I have an app on my computer. We've talked about this before that mm-hmm. removes pictures and advertisements and those things and lets you print. I'm at 23 pages uh, for this article. Yeah. Yeah. Though there are some nice illustrations in the article. I, mean, I actually didn't see the pictures. They're, so. they're, they're impressive. But, you know, uh, uh, so maybe if you are interested, you can actually look it up on the web and see those. They're, they're great. But um, – and we'll link the article in the show notes, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So um, <clears throat> he begins by using uh, the Tower of Babel, a good biblical picture, yeah. as a sort of metaphor for contemporary America. And uh, he says, quote, we are disoriented, unable to speak the same language or recognize the same truth. We are cut off from one another and from the past. And he ties a lot of that – we'll unpack this. Uh, he ties a lot of that to social media and in particular, Twitter and Facebook. Yep. So a, a good uh, portion of this article is trying to explain how Twitter and Facebook in particular have 
created to our current cultural dynamics in a profoundly negative way. Mm-hmm. And you know, so on the one hand, I think anybody who is familiar with those two platforms hears that and goes, "Well, yeah, of course." <laughs> Duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's more than just this is awful. It's a let me try to explain to you how we got there. And uh, so so we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. But um, part of where he starts is tr- trying to show how in the early days of the internet and you know chat rooms and even the early days of Facebook in particular – that social media was actually a positive force mm-hmm. for uh, democracy and for the sharing of ideas and even interaction about ideas, that those were good positive things that contributed to the larger uh, conversation. He even talks about how at the time there was some talk about how could a dictator stand against a united, mm-hmm. united people who could communicate online right. without their – uh, censorship or influence. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so John, what was the turning point then that Height points out in terms of what changes to Facebook and Twitter were made? Oh, oh, oh that, yes, yes, yes. That from Height's perspective was the definitive move that changed the way that social media worked and contributed to our larger public discourse. Uh, the like and the retweet. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> and, well, and, and then the share button on, and then the share on, button. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, and why were those – why is that bad? I mean that, that, that on the surface of it, it's like, well, well, sure, that sounds innocuous, harmless. But why was that bad? Because there was actually one more piece to not – it wasn't just the addition of those things. There was one other – behind the scenes thing with these platforms. Well, I and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the you can you can count them. You and they can take them and the algorithm that pushes them to the top yes, and it's shows the them uh, and it can allow people to go viral. Yes. Uh, so so in and on another social media platform, think YouTube. Do you remember Double Rainbow guy? No. Okay. There, this was viral probably. Uh, probably when I was in seminary, maybe post seminary, uh, with a guy who is clearly high. Um, and have you ever looked up at the sky and seen a rainbow, and then seen like a second rainbow there? Yeah, sure. He starts screaming, "Double rainbow, double rainbow, <laughs> all the way across the sky!" You know. Uh, okay. It's, it's kind of freaking out about it. All right. So uh, that's one. Example of something that was really positive, you know, you know, or or just fun. It was viral, but he also talks about how there were negative things. If you make, you know, if you say the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, yeah, uh, then you absolutely get attacked in a bad viral way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think that it's that combination of like and retweet, or like and share mm-hmm. plus the introduction of algorithms that were that would track popular posts and then um, try to determine why are they popular why are people liking these things and what they what the algorithm discovers is the more um, the more emotional mm-hmm. the 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 stronger the emotion that's embedded within the within the social media post 
the more likely it is to go viral, the more likely it is to get liked and retweeted and shared and all that. And so what these what the platform does then is it uh, pushes those to the top of your feed and highlights them for you. And so it spreads the – so that it also creates the uh, – he doesn't use this term explicitly, but the, but the, the sort of the dopamine hit mm-hmm. of like, oh, wow, what – you know, so that uh, that – uh, that change made made a big difference then in how we as a culture consume and participate in social media. By the way, I heard – so I've heard a lot of interviews about this article. Like he's been making the circuits mm-hmm. around. Uh, did you know you can turn off Facebook's algorithm on your on your Twitter? Or excuse me, Twitter's algorithm on your, on your Twitter? So, no. so you just get – like most recent by people you follow. Oh yeah, 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 I do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do that. I need I need to spend some time on the app. I've turned off all notifications for it, so I don't I don't spend nearly as much time as I used to on it's, there. It's uh yeah, it's up in the you can either choose either the home or the late it's called home, which is like that they control what pops up in what order or okay. just latest, which is just the sequential uh, these are the people you follow and uh this is the order in which they were tweeted. And what's What's sneaky though is every so often Twitter will just change it. Like you can go in and really? set latest and then like I've had – I think I've had to do this probably three or four times in the last year to two years where I've really? set it as I want latest. Oh, interesting. And then I open the app one day and it's like, wait a minute. That's out of order. What? What is this? Like, oh, it's on the home thing. Like, no, I don't want that. I want – so – not only – so yeah, yeah, we give you the option, but we're going to try to steer you back to this to hmm. increase uh, engagement with it. Interesting. I mean the running joke between Kate and I is, well, let's check Twitter to see what we're supposed to be outraged by today. Yeah. Like – and it's true. And without fail, there is something. <laughs> There's always There's something. There's something. Yeah. There's always something like, OK, this is what I'm supposed to be angry about today. Excellent. So question for you. Uh, he continues the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. uh, metaphor yeah. through, throughout the piece. Yeah. Do you like the metaphor? I do. I think it's helpful. Do you, were you a little thrown off that we have a Jewish atheist bringing up uh, the Tower of Babel? I mean, it, sure, <laughs> but it's it's also it it's transcended its biblical roots to becoming a cultural motif. Sure. Um, so, but I, I I found it to be a helpful metaphor. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, it's interesting that, that he points out – he says that really 2011 was kind of the high point of the – what he calls the techno-democratic optimism yeah. in which social media is a positive for democracy and in particular highlighting uh, the Arab Spring where there were uprisings in different Arab countries uh, protesting for uh, greater democratic um, – Reforms and that sort of stuff. He also mentions that's the year Google Translate uh, comes out. Literally, kind of a kind of a strike against the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the actual yeah. story. And uh, I I want to get your thoughts on this. So this is kind of in his area, right? He he says there are sort of stepping back to a sociolo- sociological perspective. There are three major forces that bind a society. At least three, he says. Social capital, in other words, extensive social networks with high levels of trust, mm-hmm. strong institutions, 
And then third, shared stories. And then he says, social media has weakened all of those. Thoughts on that? Hmm. I think that's – I mean are, is your question like has social media weakened all three? Because I definitely think that's true. That's uh, part of it. But even just what about those three particular um, forces that bind a society? Do you think that that's an accurate assessment? I, I think I want to tease out a little bit more social capital and shared stories. I definitely think strong institutions is a part of uh, – My guess is that social capital probably includes – Family and friend networks, mm-hmm. neighborhoods, communities, people that you know in person, trust them, are involved in their lives. We would say the church is a part of that obviously. Sure, sure. But we would also say the church is, – is the church an institution as well? Like, like oh, sure. from, from, a, from a societal perspective? So yes. I mean I think it hits both those categories. Okay, okay. You know. um, and so I think uh, that's interesting, the fact that I think he's probably onto something that those three are at least major glue that mm-hmm. holds a society together and that social media is is undermining that significantly. Uh, would you add anything to that? Would you add anything to those those three things? Like I, I, I keep going like, well, would virtue be a part of that? Would, would that be in our shared stories though? Um, I think that's where my mind I, – I, My guess is he would probably lump shared stories – uh, lump that under shared stories in terms of who are we as a people? What do we value? Yeah. What is important to us? Um, so, yeah, I think my guess is he'd probably throw that in there. Do you like those three things? I do. I think that's – again, I'm not a sociologist, so I wouldn't um, – <clears throat> that's not my area of expertise. But it seems to ring true to me. I mm-hmm. can't immediately think of anything as long as stories – encompasses that idea, those uh, sort of shared values, mm-hmm. shared beliefs, shared um, priorities that shape a culture, then yeah, I can go with that. Um, let's see. There, I, there's so much in this article. There's so much. I mean we're – I'm on to page four of 23. <laughs> yes. Um, he has an interesting quote in here. Uh, he says, once once the once Twitter and Facebook in particular kind of redesigned their platforms with the like, the share, the retweet, um, all of that, as well as the algorithm. He says the newly tweaked platforms were almost perfectly designed to bring out our most moralistic and least reflective selves. The volume of outrage was shocking. That's a great sentence. Yeah, yeah. That's a great sentence. Yeah, I think um, – and again, here's the point where we should probably say I think you can use social media in a fruitful way as a Christian. Sure. You know, I, th- I think there are numerous examples that I could point to where people are not giving you their latest hot take or here's something to be outraged by or this person is you know, Satan incarnate and no, you're Satan incarnate and mm-hmm. you know. There's, there's one journalist uh, who – I've started listening to and reading a bit more uh, called Derek Thompson, and he describes Twitter specifically mm-hmm. as a vast library with a food court on the first floor. Like if you're able to curate your follows, if you're able to uh, – I think 
Twitter has, I've heard a lot of people talk about Twitter list. Mm-hmm. I have not set one up where you can set up like, I want to see from these people, here's where I go for this topic, here's yep. where I go for this topic, that it's actually a pretty helpful place right. to, to see the nuances of a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a food fight in, in the, in the, <laughs> on the first uh, – For sure. As, as, you, as a way to get in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it can be a helpful place for Christians. I think it could be a helpful place for society at some level. Yeah. However, there, there are drawbacks. <laughs> I would say so, yes. Um, part of what he highlights in this article is um, – he, he says uh, that all those dynamics have undermined our trust in institutions in particular. And he has this quote here. He says, one result is that young people educated in the post-Babel era are less likely to arrive at a coherent story of who we are as a people and less likely to share any such story with those who attended different schools or who were educated in a different decade. You and I see that all the time. Yeah, as educators, absolutely. Yeah, we see that. Um, in particular, I think among college students, and and even if they're not on Twitter, like it, it, it's just permeated our culture. It's, oh yeah, it's it's absolutely um, penetrated every aspect of our culture in that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know again, it's the whole. It is easy, and it is um, you know fun to poke holes in institutions. It's easy pickings. Institutions yeah. are um, are easy targets. Mm-hmm. But what, what one of the points that comes out in this article is, is that a lot of what you see in terms of the protest movement is – he points out like Occupy Wall Street and other things where it's like the interest is just tear it all down with little if any reflection on – well, what do we build in its place? Sure, sure. What, 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 what replaces it? Or even could this be tweaked in a way in order to make it better right. rather than burn it to the ground? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's kind of like people have latched on to the Joker from the Dark Knight trilogy <laughs> yes. and, and have taken that persona in, in a yeah. more refined way certainly. But, yeah. but have like let's just burn it all down. Yes. Yes, some people just want to watch the world burn. Some people just want to watch the world burn. That's a great line from that it movie. Is. When was it the last is. time you watched The Dark Knight? Oh, it's been a while. I should do, go back and do it. Have you watched the new The Batman? So that's that's on my post-graduation list of things to do. Okay. I've heard it's the darkest one of like like the, it's the darkest version of Batman. I'm like, well, The Dark Knight was dark, obviously, but I've heard this is like next level. Dark. So, I've heard this is more of like my brother so i got brunch with my brother this weekend down in down in north carolina and he had watched like an hour of it cuz he describes that's the way he watches movies and tv shows now because he has a child right <laughs> he he gets he gets like hour increments to watch things and yeah. he has to build it up over several days yeah uh, so he watched the he watched the first hour of the new one and he goes it's kind of getting into that uh, detective sort of that 1920s is the word noir? I think so. Uh, detective sort of mm-hmm. sort of feel. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. So um, we're at 35 minutes and we're like I think seven pages of 23 in. Yeah. Do Not we- even maybe halfway through some of the comments and uh, notes I've made here. So um, I, you want to go another episode on this? I think we need to do another episode next week yeah. on this. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. 
we're always looking for content. We we really are. <laughs> <laughs> Until we have our next high-powered meeting that, that maps it out. Yeah, with, with tacos where we both get sick, yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, oh, I, yeah. Uh, yes. Hard to forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Is that a good stopping point for us since we've, um, we've – let, d- let me look at where we were just leaving off here. Um, yeah, burning down of institutions. Um, yeah, let me make a note here. Uh yeah, I, I think that's a good. Let's 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 uh, tie it off there, and we'll uh, we'll pick it up, like your brother does with movies. Yeah, you gotta you get. This is what <laughs> this is life now. Yeah, indeed. When All you right. get a Jonathan Haidt article, you got you got to break it up. Yeah, one hundred percent for sure. Okay, and uh, we will put the uh, link in the show notes, and there is an option. I think that we can listen directly to the article on from their website for free. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right, let's go with this day in sports history. Yeah, so this day in sports history, 1970, uh, the 24th NBA championship, the Knicks beat the Lakers uh, uh, four games to three. That was it. Thrown in there for you, John. I appreciate that, 1970. Good year, good year. Um, 79, uh, the NFL draft, Ohio State linebacker. Tom, you're going to have to help me with that last name. Cousineau. Cousineau, uh, first picked by the Bills. Uh, but signed instead with the Montreal, I don't know that team name. Alouettes. Alouettes for double the money. The CFL. He turned, like, again, think about wow. where that shows you where the NFL was at, right? Yeah. That he turned, he got double the money to go play in Canada. He did eventually end up in the NFL. Uh, 92, Eddie Murray, New York Met. Eddie Murray becomes the 24th player in the uh, history of the MLB to hit 400 home runs. Yeah. That seems like such a low number now. It does. Like if someone gets to 400, you're kind of like, yeah, that's nice. You saw Miguel Cabrera uh, this – I believe this past week got to, got to 3,000 hits. Yes. We were watching him try to reach that level yeah. when we were at T4G And it took lunch. him a couple more games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, three 3,000 hits. He already reached the 500 home run level. That's right. Level. So that's, yeah. And that's rare. That's like, rare. That's like air. Hank Aaron territory. Yeah, for um, sure. 2000, the sport of geocaching, I struggle to call that a sport, uh, begins with the first uh, cache placed and the coordinates from a GPS posted on uh, Usenet? Usenet. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Have you ever done geocaching? I have not, but I know someone who was very into it. I I did it once or twice with some buddies and yeah. basically – I mean it was before smartphones, but basically you need like a little GPS thing yep. and you get coordinates and yep. you go and try to find it and you find little – trinkets in there and you put your own trinkets in there. Right. It was like, okay, that was fun once. Right. No, 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 no. The, the person I'm thinking of uh, was he and his wife very into it uh, and even had a really? map in one of the rooms in their house where they would like put a pin in places where they had found a geocache. Really? Yeah. Is this still a thing? Do people still geocache? I, I don't know. I mean, I, they must. I would think the smartphone would would do away with that, or Pokemon Go uh, did away with that. That was the other thing I sure, thought. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Are we going to have Pokemon Go on this day in sports history now? No, I, that was more for the for the kicks and giggles there. Uh, do you um, remember Pokemon Go? Do you remember this? I, oh, yes. So I was living in Winona Lake at that time, and I just remember like all these pasty white kids out walking around Winona Lake, and I'm just like, what the heck are they all coming from? <laughs> all staring at their phones. All staring at their phones, walking around the park. Yeah. 
Um, it was it was wild. Uh, yes, I, I I agree with your assessment that that is not a sport. Yeah. Uh, 2018, uh, Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan becomes the NFL's first 30 million per season player after agreeing agreeing to a 150 million contract extension. Yeah, and what now a, he's with the Colts. Yeah, he just started with the Colts. So the the Colts seem to be on a run of like, what old quarterback can we get that washed <laughs> up somewhere else that we can just use until we figure out a long term sure. solution? Now I do think. Um, what I'm wondering is, so this this year's draft class of quarterbacks was very thin. Oh, it was bad. Very yeah. thin. I think the first one to go was in the – was it the third? No, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh went in the first round. Did but, he? But okay. went like pick number like 20-ish or something like Where'd that. Where did he go? What, what? I don't remember. Okay. So – but next year's quarterback class will include uh, in all likelihood – Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, who won the Heisman Trophy, okay, and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, who was like who finished like third or fourth, you know, finished fourth or whatever in the Heisman voting. So like two elite level quarterbacks will come out next year. Hmm. So there'll be a little bit better uh, talent there in that. So uh, what do you want to go with here? Oh my goodness. Um... I mean, I think we had the most conversation about geocache. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to go with that? Uh, not particularly because I don't like it. Um, <laughs> um, let's go. Can we go Knicks beating the Lakers? That. What, what do you like? I, I don't have a strong pull towards any of them. I mean, the most humorous to me is the geocaching, but I, w- will we lose – uh, we're going we're gonna to hear about it, I think, <laughs> if we choose geocaching. All right. You want to go Knicks, Lakers? Sure, sure. Okay, we'll do that. One thing you liked? Uh, spent the weekend in North Carolina. Uh, it was just a good time seeing uh, seeing a lot of family, seeing some mm-hmm. friends and uh, flying back. And I got in. I landed in Chicago last night at – landed there – landed in Chicago at, I think, 10 p.m. local mm. time. So yeah. it was a it was a late night, and it was one of those. We had this moment where we got off the plane, we went to the carousel, and we were at the carousel for our luggage that was marked. Yeah, yeah. And the, we just stood there for fifteen minutes. The bags weren't coming out. Somebody had to get on a loudspeaker and go, "Oh, sorry, actually, it's on this carousel over there." And we all went over there and all found our bags almost immediately. Yeah, it was a terrible situation. I was pretty mad at Midway. Oh, you were in Midway. We were in Midway. Southwest. We were Southwest. Yeah. Okay, that must have been a cost saving maneuver there. Yeah, yeah. I usually look between Indy and uh, and Midway. Gotcha. Okay. I see. All right. For me, um, uh, I will give a shout out to uh, – I had a book signing here on campus last week and that was a lot of fun. It was a little embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it can feel a little awkward to have people talk about you in front of you like that in terms that you think – that just feels over the top to me. <laughs> Would you prefer a roast? Or? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure. But uh, I'm very grateful to uh, to our dean who is the – really was really the driving force behind making that happen. Yeah, it certainly wasn't you. <laughs> it was certainly not me. It was certainly not me. So it was fun to celebrate that and uh, – yeah, we moved. A, we moved a decent number of books. 
Yeah, I saw a lot of students yeah. uh, getting after it. That's right. That's right. So grateful for that. And uh, I know it's called One Thing I Liked, but I'm going to go with the second one. It's our pod. It is. You, that's right. You, I mean, you went with One Thing You Didn't Like last week. So, you so you know, you didn't One like. Thing We Didn't Like last yeah. week. Yeah. Oh, uh, I 100% share that yeah, dislike, yeah. but okay, um, okay. it was under your category. It's in your bucket. Um, it was, and I sprung it on you. You did. Yeah, it was beautiful. I loved it. Uh, the other thing is uh, my wife and I got to meet uh, our oldest son's girlfriend for the first time this past weekend. Oh, okay. And she is a lovely young woman. Okay, normal human being. That's always yes. a good – that's, uh, yeah, that's good... always the first check, right? Yeah. Is she normal? Yes. And she, she – she definitely passes the normal test. Okay, good. Yeah, she, good. she was she was delightful. So it was nice to meet her. Um, I, I am grateful. Both of my sons, they are not drawn to the superficial, like flashy, mm. like just like I love the fact that both of my sons are drawn towards – substantive women who are beautiful both inside and outside. Mm -hmm. So grateful for that. All right. And she listens to the pod. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which might question the normal part. <laughs> <laughs> she, I know she's listened to a bunch of episodes. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Shout out to her. We have talked uh, NFL draft and lamented the death of two Ohio State you, careers. You lamented. You <laughs> lamented. Not we. You lamented. Um, we have talked about how stupid the last 10 years of American life have been. And we will continue to have that conversation. There's so much stupidity <laughs> we have to do another episode on The it. stupefication. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, we've talked about uh, geocaching and more importantly, the Knicks beating the Lakers in 1970 before, well before either of us were born. Mm-hmm talked about our trip to North Carolina, talked about a book signing, and I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics, and so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.